I now officially declare that the war on the war on the war on Christmas is on. Welcome, everyone, to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with another of our annually traditional War on Christmas episodes. The only major difference this year being that I want to start off with just a little bit of eating our vegetables before we get to the dessert as we discuss some racism today that is nowhere near as fun as when they were insisting that Santa and Jesus were both white. So that's what we're going to start off with, and then we'll get into the more delicious reports from the front lines of the war on Christmas that I know you have come to know and love. So we have clips today from Intersection, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, I Love You America with Sarah Silverman, CNN, and a classic from The Colbert Report. In the Netherlands, Santa has a companion named Zwart Piet, or Black Piet. The tradition is celebrated by the Dutch in the way some Americans still celebrate Halloween, by wearing blackface and big curly wigs and then acting like a fool. And heaven forbid you tell the Dutch this is racially offensive. Here to help me explain this ridiculous tradition is someone who has written extensively on the subject, Karen Atia, the Deputy Opinions Editor at the Washington Post in D.C. Hey, Karen. Hi. So tell us about Black Pete. What does he look like and where does the tradition come from? Black Pete or Zwarte Piet in, in um, Dutch is basically, if we think of Santa Claus, uh, our version of Santa Claus, uh, Zwarte Piet or Black Pete is like Santa Claus's helper. So just imagine um, you have a bearded white bishop, Santa Claus is a, is a bishop, and his helpers are dressed in very bright, colorful clothing, um, reminiscent of the Blackamoor tradition of clothing, and Dark black faces, people dress up with red lips and coarse curly Afro wigs and very often bright gold jewelry. For many uh, of people in Curacao and for many Dutch people that I interacted with, this was just how Zwart Piet was. It wasn't shocking to them, but for me as an American, obviously with our traditions of uh, minstrelsy and sambo is very shocking. It was very shocking to see that uh, blackface, frankly, was being celebrated by everyone, and including black people in, in Curacao. You know, the black faces, the curly-headed wigs, the red lips painted on, it sounds like, you know, they, they just not really aware or just don't care about what the sambo stereotype means here in America and potentially worldwide. And this is the, the sort of interesting and perhaps difficult part of, of addressing this, this tradition. Many people will say, um, will give defenses of, of black peeps. They'll say, well, you know, no, he's, he's not a black person. He's black because he fell down the chimney. So the blackness that you see on his skin is actually soot. But then, you know, when you ask, well, did he fall down the chimney and somehow come up with red lips <laughs> and somehow come up with curly hair? And uh, usually, you know, the conversation sort of uh, goes downhill from there. But <laughs> um, we also have explanations or defenses rather of, well, you know, this is not racist. This has nothing to do with black people. It's not racist because children love Zwarte Piet. Um, Zwarte Piet is a, a comical character. He's mischievous and he's, um, he's acrobatic. So he often dances and does flips for the children. He's the one who gives the children, um, candies and paper notes, which is like a ginger cookie. And so many Dutch people will say, well, how can it be racist if 
children love him so much. Don't you want children to have fun? Don't you right. like children? Right. So the fact that it was offensive to you meant nothing to them. Right. I mean, especially as an outsider, you'll have people say, you know, well, you're not Dutch, so you have no right to criticize our traditions. Just like say, well, you have Thanksgiving. That's that's offensive to Indians. You have no right to, to criticize us. But I would always point out, I mean, there are black people of color in Holland um, and in the Caribbean who are actively protesting this. Now, I was in Curacao for that year where it was you know, a fairly large um, celebration. But in other islands, such as um, St. Martin, I was told by folks that they did not accept this and that Black Pete was, you know, phased out in a lot of their celebrations. So I think to point back to um, in my conversations with, with Dutch folks to point back to the fact that, no, there are black people in the Netherlands who have been actively protesting this for years now. And increasingly, people are becoming more and more vocal against this tradition. And in fact, this year, um, in some of the protests, um, there are videos available of, on one end, people of color protesting uh, Zwart Piet, and on the other end, white Dutch who are calling protesters monkeys and telling people to go back to their cages and yelling racial epithets. So again, to say, <laughs> this is not, not racism. racism. This is not racism, you dumb monkey. You know, is, <laughs> right. Is not uh, quite a convincing, you know, approach to the argument, you know. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's not an unfamiliar argument here in the States either. I want to get to your argument against the, the tradition that you stated last year in Washington Post. What did you argue and how did people react to it? I mean, basically, my argument is or was at the time that we cannot look at Zwart Piet as just a character in a vacuum. I mean, Zwart Piet just simply can't be divorced from the fact that the Netherlands historically participated in the Atlantic slave trade. And so this caricature of blackness, this kind of mockery of, of blackness as, as silly, as inhuman, is a global phenomenon. So you see it in, of course, our version of Sambo, our minstrel shows in, in America, Gollywog in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these, uh, all these characters, or even if you read, um, Tintin, Hergé's Tintin in the Congo, and you see the same, the same caricature of blackness, the red lips, the super dark skin, and even as far as, uh, the persona of sort of silly characters who don't quite get everything right, but yet they're lovable and infantile, quite childlike. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my argument was just that this is, cannot be divorced from global anti-blackness. And um, again, um, to ignore or to say that this is just a Dutch thing, you don't understand this is just a Dutch thing. Um, I'm like, no, this is a part of a sad uh, Western tradition of dehumanizing blackness for profit, because we all know that Zwart Pete makes a lot of money, right? It is profitable. Like how, how does it, how oh, is it monetized? Massive. Um, so, I mean, even, even in the small island of Curacao, you'd go, you'd see Zwart Pete candies and Zwart Pete being used to advertise ice cream and Zwart Pete dolls and figurines and costumes, of course, that you can buy. Um, in Amsterdam alone, I know the parades draw about 250,000 people every year. It's really a, a huge, huge, huge part of the year for many Dutch people. So I can understand in, in many ways, you know, how, um, how deeply ingrained it is. But 
on the other hand, I mean, <laughs> the fact that, um, you know, I heard stories of, of black Dutch people and their children would go to school and the other, you know, white Dutch folks would, would call their children, oh, hey, look at Zwart Piet, look at Zwart Piet, or people calling me Zwart Piet. It's, it's not just about the past, it's also about, you know, the fact that it has a lot to do with, um, I mean, just the whole controversy it has a lot to do with questions about identity in the Netherlands. And, um, when people talk about, well, all Dutch people love Zwart Piet, all Dutch people, um, it starts to give questions about, well, who counts as Dutch? You know, someone from Suriname, from Curacao, who might have grown up, you know, in the Netherlands and, um, and they oppose this tradition. Are they not Dutch? You know? Right. Especially, I feel like in this moment of um, immigration in Europe, um, you're seeing obviously Syrian refugees being welcomed by a number of nations. But also, on the other hand, you have people like, you know, the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, saying that, you know, multiculturalism is uh, is a farce, is a fantasy. And so, granted, that does mean something different in Germany than it means here in the United States. But, you know, the idea that, you know, people must learn the customs of a you know particular nation, must adopt those customs, must adopt the language in order to be welcomed in, you know, as full citizens. And even then are not technically full citizens. It just seems to me, you know, a bit of a colonial mindset at the, at the end of the day. In Holland, there's a, there are two terms. There's, um, which sort of means kind of native born. And a lot of people connote it to say, white Dutch. And then you have Alchton, which translates roughly to, you know, kind of foreign, foreign born. And so if you're visibly non-white, um, can you ever quite uh, be considered an Alchton? The fact that there are these mm. divisions, right, even within the language, within the culture, just speaks to the difficulties that visible minorities have in really being accepted as Dutch. So, again, even with the controversies around Zwarte Piet, when people, again, are talking about, you know, well, all Dutch say this. I think uh, there have been studies that have said, you know, 90% of Dutch say that uh, Zwarte Piet is not racist. And it also raises questions about representation, right? I mean, there are very few visible minorities in media in Holland, and I've, I've written a bit about that. And such. So I think also, you know, um, putting Zwart Piet in the contemporary context of, yes, of, of immigration, of identity is very necessary. And again, even uh, the UN, um, I mean, it got so bad that even the UN had to be called in on the Netherlands to kind of read them. What did the kind UN of tell them about themselves? What did, they, what did the UN say? Um, so the UN, uh, actually this year in, in August, the UN basically um, reviewed the Zwart Piet tradition very specifically and urged Hollanders, the Netherlands, to consider changing the tradition and to actively promote the elimination of the stereotypes. And uh, it was not received well. <laughs> I uh, remember when this investigation, when the committee was doing their, their investigation, um, there were calls from Dutch people to withdraw from the UN rather than get rid of Black Pete. Um, there were actually, the committee received death threats, harassment, uh, and just, it was a very sort of nasty, uh, toxic response, you know, to to this. And again, it just goes to show how um, how deeply sort of ingrained this is, and how much um, any criticism, especially from the outside of, of racism um, about racism and intolerance, flies against this face of the Netherlands being a tolerant country, right? Yeah, it reminds me honestly of my hometown, Cleveland Indians, and people refusing to accept the change of Chief Wahoo, the 
grinning red mascot of the team. And, you know, they say, oh, we're going to phase it out. We're going to change the logo to make it a C and we're not going to, but it's still in the cap. It's still in the uniform. It's still a symbol of the team. And I, I don't understand how they, you know, they, they see that as some kind of way to, you know, appease the, the protest when it's like, you know, we're asking for you to get rid of it. Um, the mayor of Amsterdam this year has said, you know, all right, we're willing to gradually phase it out. So this year, they the costumes didn't include the gold earrings, right? And they say eventually we'll get to a point where Zwart Piet is looks like he fell through a chimney. So it's just soot. But it's still this thing of like, well, we can't change it because children won't like it or it's too ingrained, right? Um, there's a recognition, I feel, in, in, in the U.S. and in other countries that like, okay, you know, we're trying to move forward from this. And yes, please don't dress up in blackface. Whereas in the Netherlands, it's perfectly okay. And maybe part of it, it has to do with the fact that it's a small country and Dutch is not, you know, it's not quite a, <laughs> nowhere near a universal language. So what happens there perhaps doesn't make it out into the, the international community as easily. But there's just this sense that they're holding on very proudly, you know, to this. And I think perhaps, I hope, you know, over time that that future generations will look back and see, oh, gosh, remember when people used to dress up as Zwart Pete? It's the holiday season uh, once again, and so you might be wondering, like many people around America are, are right now, uh, how should I greet people? <laughs> what words should I use? And I'm sort of joking, but a lot of people take this very seriously. And some people's political activism starts and stops with the war on Christmas, which seems to mostly be about talking about how there's a war on Christmas. Very little of it is waged at stopping Christmas, which seems weird. But public policy polling has some interesting polling data on what people think about the various greetings, uh, the front lines of the war on Christmas. Nine percent of Americans preferred the non-denominational greeting, Happy Holidays, versus 45 percent who prefer a traditional Merry Christmas. Understand that almost half said that they didn't care and they were bothered that they were had to take this poll in the first place. Three <laughs> percent of respondents said they'd be personally offended if somebody said Merry Christmas to them. That's weird. That's a really small number. But we hear that so many atheists are getting pissed off about Merry Christmases. Thirteen percent said Happy Holidays would be offensive to them. Now, what's interesting about that is Merry Christmas is an exclusionary uh, statement. Yes, it includes people who worship uh, you know, God and like Christmas, but nothing else. Happy Holidays literally includes Merry Christmas and others. And yet people are more offended by the inclusive statement than the exclusive statement, which seems weird. Let, let's, yeah, let's stop there for a second. I think it's weird. <laughs> if, you're, if you're offended by the phrase Happy Holidays, you're a total weirdo and there's something wrong with you. Because that's somebody saying something nice to you. They didn't have to say Happy Holidays. They mm -hmm. could have told you to piss off, Yeah. right? They went out of their way to say something nice to you. Hey, happy holidays. And maybe they don't know, like they don't know if you're Jewish or another faith. So they don't want to offend you. So they're being doubly nice. Yeah. Because how do they know if you're Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or whatever you are, right? Maybe you do yoga and you're Hindu. I, what do they know, right? So they're being doubly nice by saying, hey, happy holidays. And 13% of you are enough of a dick to be like, I'm offended by that. 
why don't you uh, celebrate my holiday? Yeah. And then not only do you have the temerity to not celebrate my holiday and not be my religion, mm -hmm. but you should be forced into wishing me good tidings yeah. in the way that I choose for my religion. Do you understand how insane that is? You should be forced to ignore everyone else. I wonder what percentage would be offended if you said, hey, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Because if they got offended by that, you should be allowed to legally to punch them in the face. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Okay. I'm not saying you but can. But I bet you they I'm wouldn't be offended be by it. Yes. Could you imagine if other groups made these demands? If they were like, well, you have not wished me a happy eight. Which is a Muslim holiday. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, how come you didn't wish me a happy Ramadan? I'm so mad at you. Yeah. It would be absurd. Well, oh, you said Merry, you said Happy Holidays, but you didn't say Happy Hanukkah. And by the way, if they do that, they're wrong. Okay, and I'm against them too. I'm a fucking atheist. I don't need to acknowledge any of your stupid traditions. Yeah. But I do because I'm also polite. And because they're fun. Christmas is supposed oh, yeah. to be fun. I have a little Christmas tree in my house. You know why? Because it's awesome. And it really doesn't belong to Christians. It's a pagan thing going way back before Jesus and all that. But we've got some more numbers for you. Only 5% of Clinton voters say that they're offended by the phrase Merry Christmas compared to 19% of Trump voters who say they're offended by Happy Holidays. Now, so what's interesting about that is everybody says... You know, the reason uh, that Trump got so much support is everybody's just hurting economically. It's not about identity, it's about economics. If one in five of your voters are personally offended by the expression happy holidays, I think they're doing okay. That's a stupid thing to say, but. Yeah, no, no, anyway. I get like that should not be on your top list, list of top 100 concerns. Yeah. Like, hey man, I, can't, I lost my job at the factory, and plus somebody said happy holidays to me. Ah, <laughs> so I shot him. <laughs> Okay, now a little bit more for you. The demographic groups most offended by happy holidays include strong conservatives at 21%, Gary Johnson voters what? at 20%. You guys are libertarians. <laughs> You're supposed to not care at all. Trump supporters at 18%. The Johnson voters are actually stronger than that. And all men at 18%. Hashtag not all men. Um, <laughs> so I thought that that was funny. Uh, by the way, and this is great because, you know what, Trump, for whatever other criticism you might have about him, He's not PC, and his supporters are just sick of all his PC mm -hmm. bullshit. Just let me say what I want to say. If I want to use the F word or the R word or the W word or whatever word, I'm going to use it. Stop trying to stop me. But interestingly, people who describe themselves as very conservative were more than twice as likely to be offended by happy holidays as the very liberal people were to be offended by Merry Christmas. Why are you being so holiday PC conservatives? Why do you need a holly jolly safe space? <laughs> no, but that is literal. When you demand that people greet you in the way that is politically correct, you're at least religiously correct. Right. You're saying, no, no, no. I, it's not good enough for you to be a nice guy and tell me happy holidays. I demand that you use my religion, my religion, not your religion, in that greeting. Yeah. You are literally being politically correct. That is the, the Russians and the, and the Germans that used to originally use that. They, the whole point was the statement is not factually correct, mm -hmm. it, but it is politically correct. Mm -hmm. So you must say this. The media must say this. Yeah. And here it is. Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, and these very conservative voters are saying, you must be politically correct. And if you are not, then we will be aggrieved and deeply offended. We'll, we'll boycott your store. Yeah. You know, We'll try to get you fired. Okay, so why don't you man up? And, and get over it already and stop crying so much. Yeah. God, you guys are such, you know what you are? Baby. Baby. Sad. Sad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with all the, I've got you to safe space. I got triggered because somebody said, 
I mean, if you're so weak that you got triggered by someone saying happy holidays to you, and by the way, that is apparently one-fifth of all conservatives, yeah. right? Wow, one-fifth of you are so monumentally weak that if somebody says happy holidays down. to you, you need to go crawl in a corner and cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> Did I go too far? Have yeah, I offended? You? I think that you have. <laughs> okay, I, you can get offended by what he just said. Yes. Okay. But 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 really, like, understand what this is. This is not about protecting Christians or Christianity. This isn't saying you have to acknowledge us because Happy Holidays does that. This is about Christian supremacy. It has to be placed above, first, before all other religions. You cannot talk about all of them. You have to talk about our, ours only. Now, yes, the stakes are low. We're talking about greeting. So it's not the worst form of uh, religious supremacy. But that's what the viewpoint of a person who gets offended about this is. You're not allowed to recognize multiple groups of people. You can only recognize me. And I did a little bit of research, by the way, and uh, because I vaguely remembered a Christmas song that goes something like, uh, happy holidays, happy holidays to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was released in 1942. This ain't some new plot by Libs, man. People have been saying happy holidays for a really long time. My grandpa wouldn't even remember that song. I had to look on Wikipedia. This has been around a really long time, you special little snowflakes, which is all the more appropriate <laughs> because we're, it's Christmas time. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I know that song because I yeah. love Christmas songs. And Me uh, too. And I'm pretty sure Bing Crosby was not uh, <laughs> some sort of wild-eyed liberal. SJW, <laughs> yeah. Bing Crosby. Okay, so we did a poll on this because this one's actually a little bit more of an interesting question. Uh, and you're going to find it at tytnetwork.com slash allholidaysmatter. <laughs> uh, do you prefer Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? So now people who are offended by Happy Holidays are morons and uh, <laughs> and and are snowflakes and all that, right? But um, But when I go to say it, I've been alternating because I can't make up my mind. I used to say Merry Christmas all the time until O'Reilly started this war on Christmas. And then I was like, okay, screw O'Reilly. I'm going to say Happy Holidays. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like Merry Christmas better because to me, Christmas ain't nothing new with Christianity. And you know it too. There's, exactly. There's no, there's no reindeer it's in the presents. Bible. Okay. And trees. There's no Christmas trees. That's a pagan tradition. Anyway, Christmas is a ode to capitalism. And you can get pissed at that for different reasons. But I'm a capitalist. I like it. I like making kids happy. Yeah. Right? So. I kind of like Merry Christmas, but then I thought, hey, I like Merry Christmas too. The reason, the second reason why I started pausing on Merry Christmas is I'm like, well, we live in LA. This decent percentage of people are not Christian, yeah. right? So am I offending them if I say Merry Christmas? Even though I'm not a Christian and I don't give a damn, right? Yeah. I'm agnostic. So I keep alternating. So you settle it for me. Okay, go to the poll. Uh, should you be saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? Mm -hmm. no, and no matter what you vote, we promise we won't get offended. <laughs> Unlike the special snowflakes on the right. Yes. Uh, I've sort of settled on kind of a halfway point. I say uh, happy Christmas and uh, tweet me at Johnny Rolla if you know why I say that. Some of the fans will. Okay. And uh, or maybe we should go with uh, may you be grieved on Festivus. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to come down too hard on you, but for months I have been warning you, telling you, 
to prepare yourselves. I've seen this before. When Republicans control all the levers of power, they are left with only one fight to fight. And I have begged you and beseeched you, prepare. Winter is coming. Winter, specifically, Christmas season is coming. That's what I've said to you. And I hope you have been ready because it's on. And something I said so much during the last two years, but I'll say it again as we approach the end of the year. You know, we're getting near that beautiful Christmas season that people don't talk about anymore. (laughs) They don't use the word Christmas because it's not politically correct. You go department stores and they'll say Happy New Year and they'll say other things and it'll be read. Happy Memorial Day. They don't say, well, guess what? We're saying Merry Christmas again. They're all standing up and applauding. All those old white guys, every single one of those old white guys, and some of their old white wives. And as a Christmas gift to all of our hardworking families, we hope Congress will pass massive tax cuts for the American people. There you go. Uh, Donald Trump. Speaking at the Values Voter Summit in Washington, D.C., declares on August 13th, 2017, that the war on the war on Christmas is on. And as such, now that that has been declared, I now officially. Thank you. Declare that the war on the war on the war on Christmas is on. So uh, you will be getting your marching orders soon, but we will start with this. If anyone tries to wish you Merry Christmas in the coming days, (laughs) the middle of October, you just start with, and a happy Christmas to you. It's a slight shot off the bow. Not a Merry Christmas, a Happy Christmas. And just let them just like, what? What's that? Did they say Happy Christmas and not Merry Christmas? And then as they're walking, like they'll bump into something. It's a sigh That's just the way. It's a sigh It's a, this is, We do this slowly. Slowly. He came in like a Santa Claus Down the chimney like he always does Only crumbs left where the cookie was All he ever did was Give gifts to me. Hey, he gives gifts to me. His sleigh was high up in the sky, but now it is coming down. Our fireplace burned, but he still turned up in the living room somehow. It's Christmas time, my favorite time of year, which happens. Every year on Jesus' birthday, happy birthday, Jesus. We love you. It's also, uh, it's also war on Christmas time, as our fearful leader reminds us. We're getting near that beautiful Christmas season that people don't talk about anymore. They don't use the word Christmas because it's not politically correct. Well, guess what? 
we're saying Merry Christmas again. You mean again, like, since 348 days ago? <laughs> again, since last Christmas time? I... I don't understand. I really am trying to be open on this show and do my best to find common ground, but I have to call colossal bullshit on this war on Christmas stuff. For those of you who are new to manufactured wars, the war on Christmas, <laughs> the war on Christmas is a complete fabrication uh, invented by agenda-driven outlets like Fox News and Steve Bannon's Breitbart to usher people toward their natural inclination to hate Jews and Muslims, and or atheists, or any non-Christians, and render us further divided and therefore malleable. I squeaked on that. I said malleable. <laughs> Sorry, I have a little cold, so I'm sounding a little bit like Sarah Silverman. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's break down this war on Christmas. And to my friends at Fox News and Breitbart and the Media Research Center and Newsbusters and The Blaze and all the real news outlets covering this devastating war. <laughs> when you write your weekly don't think piece on my monologue, gluing together words and phrases that fit your narrative, include this next part. What is it about Christmas that you think that Jews hate? <laughs> the the no traffic, the, the vacation days, the, the gorgeous lights lining the streets and the houses and the shopping squares, uh, the carolers. Uh, do you think we hate the, the giant spike in retail? I... <laughs> muddying the stereotype here like so now it's the greedy merchant Jew that hates making money I, I don't understand what else do the Jews hate about this beautiful holiday uh, is it the empty movie theaters and myriad Chinese food options is it the the royalty checks on every Christmas song you know um, you know all the classic Christmas songs you love? Jews wrote them. All of them. Okay, be honest, Sarah. Not all of them. Just Winter Wonderland and Let It Snow and Silver Bells. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, oh, I'll Be Home for Christmas and White Christmas and Most Wonderful Time of the Year and The Christmas Song. That's Oh, and... Uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and Holly Jolly Christmas, and Santa Baby, and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, and Little Drummer Boy. But that's it. Just kidding. There are a zillion more. <laughs> Christmas songs are in our blood, baby. Like, I could write one off the top of my motherfucking head right now. Tinsel falling off the branches of the tree. Christmas trees lining all the way. A piano plays a Christmas song while the tree is there. Decorated with spangles and ornaments around on the tree with an on the top of the tree and underneath the tree are presents presents for the kids 
presents for Ma and Pa. And underneath the tree is another tree. It's trees all the way down. Trees forever, trees for mother, trees. I just pulled that literally out of my ass. I could have kept going. that Christmas night. Every year, that was pretty good. I really could have gone on and on. Every year, there is some sort of new thing that is trotted out by conservative media to support their pretend war on Christmas, which leads us to the saga of the Starbucks coffee cup. First, it was just plain red, which is apparently a total affront to Christianity. Um, then they had like a, a winter motif, which made them very angry because there were like no specific to Christmas symbols on it. I'm really, I, um, what do you need? Like, what will make you happy? I, I'll really, I want to do anything. Like a, a bleeding Jesus on a cross on the cup or maybe a close-up of like Mary crowning. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> It's just coffee, you know? It's, it's the stuff that you drink to make yourself in the morning. <laughs> so anyway, this year, Starbucks did give in and decorated the cup with Christmas trees and presents, and they even doubled down and added a new drink called uh, Christmas Tree Frappuccino. And you want to know what I think about it? It's delicious. And like a Christmas miracle, they still found a new thing to be very angry about in the form of possibly gay hands. <laughs> hey, loud, homophobic, wildly un-Jesus-like, hate-fueled, fringe Christians, you're bumming everybody out. Especially, I would imagine, the majority of Christians in this country. You know, I, I, I grew up in a Christian town, in a Christian state, my friends were Christian, and most of the Christians I know are really about uh, love and inclusivity and are wildly comfortable with hands of any sexual orientation. <laughs> like, when did uh, companies like Starbucks become the nation's religious moral compass? I, like, when did people start saying, you know, I don't really believe in Starbucks' message anymore, but I still take the kids there every Sunday for the community of it. <laughs> Starbucks is not church. The only thing Starbucks has in common with church is they both let people off the street take dumps in their bathrooms, which is beautiful. <laughs> but there's never been a time when a coffee cup or a company has prevented anyone from celebrating Christmas or being Christian, even Starbucks. And here's a fun fact. Starbucks founder Howard Schultz, Jewish. <laughs> So to recap, you're mad that the Jew store where you get your coffee isn't Christmassy enough. Which also begs the question, why are their bagels so shitty? This Christmas, I'm staying in bed. I haven't had a good sleep in a while. And I think this Christmas is what it will take to make up all those hours I've lost doing nothing. Nothing at all For if you sleep on Christmas Those hours of sleep are worth thousands 
If you sleep on Christmas, those hours of sleep are worth thousands. Christmas is around the corner, uh, and um, a lot of folks are excited, including me. Love Christmas. We already got our Christmas tree. Um, and, and I've said this many times on the show. I love capitalist Christmas. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with religion. Um, I'm pretty sure Santa in that giant red suit was did not come from Nazareth. Anyway, a guy who apparently agrees with that side of it is Pastor David Grisham. He doesn't think that uh, this that Santa is real. No. Uh, unlike Megyn Kelly, who thinks Santa is real and white, uh, Grisham doesn't think he's real at all. So that's the part that's sensible. The rest is not remotely sensible. Uh, and borders on lunacy as is usual because he is a right winger. So um, he has attacked uh, the idea of Santa in Texas before. He's done a execution of Santa before, which I'm going to show you in a minute. Okay, but he's at it again. This time he's at the North Pole. Uh oh, Santa, watch out! He's closing in. No, it's literally North Pole, Alaska, and he goes and finds a Santa over there and starts yelling at him and the kids nearby. Let's watch. Hi folks, hi kids, my name is Pastor David. I wanted to tell you guys that the real reason for the season for Christmas is about Jesus. Jesus Christ was born 2017 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem in Israel and that Christmas is really all about Jesus. And I wanted to tell you kids today too that Santa Claus does not exist. Santa Claus is not real. The man you're going to meet today is a man wearing a suit like a costume, and it's make-believe. It's not real. It's just fake. Your parents have been telling you a story that is not true. There are no reindeer, flying reindeers. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, yes, ma'am? Uh, we understand that you have your beliefs, but everybody else has their beliefs as well. If you would not interfere with our other customers, we really appreciate I'm not interfering. I'm just telling you the truth, and then I'll leave. I'll yeah. be done in about a minute. No, sir. She said leave, so go. No. Leave and let us enjoy our holiday. Okay, I'm done. I'm leaving. Whatever okay. you want to do. I'm done. Thank you, sir. I'm leaving. Bye. Y'all have a nice day. If you thought the good folks in Alaska were mad, wait till you see the good folks in Texas, but hold. Okay. Uh, look. Is he correct that Christmas has nothing to do with uh, the religion of Christianity as it is currently practiced in America and throughout the world? Yes, absolutely correct. The Christmas tree is a pagan tradition as there, there are no pine trees like that in uh, Bethlehem. <laughs> okay, it's in Northern Europe and it rep represents eternal life because, and, and it is a 100% very clearly a pagan tradition having nothing to do with Christianity. And and the list goes on and on. By the way, there's also no Easter Bunny in in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, there and, and Santa Claus is largely a, a capitalist creation that was A/B tested throughout the years. At some point, he had a green suit; it didn't play well. At one point, he was skinny; that didn't play well. Uh, so they made him fatter. They gave him a red suit. They eventually made him drink Coke. Uh, that's why we all like him. You saw that store in Alaska. <laughs> what did that have to do with Christianity? There are no crosses. There's no Bibles. It's just lit up. Like a Christmas tree, <laughs> and we all love it. All that was market tested to create a holiday, an artificial holiday that we all love. Now, on the other hand, he says, "Oh, that's not real Santa and the reindeer. That's preposterous." No, what's real is a guy who was born of a virgin, walked on water, and raised the dead. Okay, whatever myth you'd like to believe. <laughs> okay, now here, here's old Pastor David last year trying this in Texas. Folks, my name is Pastor David. Kids, I wanted to tell you today that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. 
Santa Claus does not exist. The Christmas season is about Jesus. Jesus was born 2016 years ago, but Santa does not exist. Santa's not real. And parents, y'all need to stop lying to your children and telling them that Santa Claus is real when in fact he's not. Now, remember, don't lie to your children about Santa. Lie to them about Jesus. <laughs> Tell them, oh, no, no, he turned water into wine. We all got drunk. It was awesome. Um, I know we all got drunk. I think he turned the water into wine. And there's something about the fish, and he definitely walked on water. He definitely. Tell them those lies, not the lies about Santa. That's outrageous. Anyway, here comes a Texas dad. Let's watch. There is no Santa Claus. There is no Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. Tell them the truth. Go. Yes, we do tell them the truth. Now, go on. Sir, don't put your hands on then me. Go on. Quit put talking his best. You understand me? Put, keep now your stop. hands to yourself. I got my kids over there. We don't need you coming over here blabbing whatever the hell you blabbing. I'm telling so them the on. truth that there go. is no Santa Claus. Now, go. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You need to keep your hands to yourself, sir. And don't put your hands on people. That's then don't come over here talking your mess. And don't come over here and tell your children the truth? That there is no Santa Claus? That, that's not your decision for me to tell my kids what's the truth and what's not. The truth is there that's is no Santa decision. Claus. Okay. That's, there is no Santa, and it's fine. Tr- Christmas parents, is about Jesus. But, but, and the parents are all right with that. The parents are all right with lying to their kids. Yeah. Not your decision to make. That's a sin. It's a sin in the eyes well, which, of God. Which kids, there is, is no Santa. Santa's not real. Your parents are lying to you. Don't believe it. He's lucky nobody pulled a gun, man. Anyway, so it was okay. It was okay. Nobody got hurt. But that that is part of Texas that I like. Uh, Go on now. Go tell your mess somewhere else. (laughs) By the way, Jesus was born uh, 2016 years ago. No, actually, he was born nowhere near December 25th, if you believe the Bible. I believe he was born in the spring based on their best reading of the tea leaves of the incredibly vague Bible. The December 25th time was because of the winter solstice, also a pagan tradition having nothing to do with Christianity. So he should actually be ranting and raving around April in the malls. Hey guys, this is when Jesus was born, we got it all wrong. Bring in the Santa today. Okay, wait, we haven't even gotten to the Santa execution yet. Fire away. You have been duly pronounced guilty and are hereby sentenced to death by having your miserable stuffing shot out by a firing squad. We would plead that the Lord have mercy on your soul, but you have no soul. Do you have any last words? Of course you don't, because you can't talk, you don't exist. Firing squad, charge your weapons. Come to the ready. Aim, fire. Okay, uh, I, I don't know whether to be amused by that guy or frightened, because that dude's dangerous. Okay, no one who executes Santa isn't dangerous. So uh, he explains, no, 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 we're just playing. By the way, did you notice that his scroll that he was reading? First of all, it's awesome that he had a scroll. Second of all, it was made of crayons, giant <laughs> crayons. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? Of course you don't, because you don't exist. Plus, you're a pinata. Anyway, now he, he's gonna gonna give you a caveat here. Now we're doing this all in good fun. We chose a pinata on purpose to make sure that no one would confuse this with a real person. Because as 
Christians, we do not advocate violence against real people. We abhor violence. So this is all just for good fun. It's like parody. Okay. Uh, of course, you notice his shirt that says coexist and it's X'd out. We wouldn't want to coexist. That would be terrible. No, 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 don't coexist. Uh, but they would never do any violence. Uh, they were just executing Santa in good fun. Now, if that's not the Christmas spirit, I don't know what is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know that magical season when you sing carols, gather around the fire, and sip on hot cocoa? You just want to open the windows and shout out to anyone who can hear you. Merry Wait, 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 wait. You haven't heard the news? We're saying Merry Christmas again. To some of us, this all seems a little last decade. It was around that time when, if you were to turn on Fox News, you'd probably hear something like this. The war is to get rid of, not allow people to use the name uh, Jesus or the name Christ. But yet they can sing a Hanukkah song. Led by Bill O'Reilly, Fox News went on a war path. If you're not going to say Merry Christmas and it's a federal holiday, I'm not going to buy the lamp. I have a solution for every American who doesn't like Christmas. Book a trip to Japan. Suddenly, I started showing up at Christmas parties and was told that um, they were having holiday parties and so therefore they didn't need a Santa anymore. The movie, a movie coming out about the war on Christmas. This is the trailer. Go. So I do have a problem with Christmas and all the rest of the garbage you Christians have been jamming down my throat. Ooh. Daniel Baldwin. At Fox News, this was yet another example of secular progressives attacking a Christian tradition. Fox eventually dropped the issue, but it didn't really go away. Those same resentments that fueled Fox's war on Christmas, they hardened and evolved. And eventually, they coalesced around an unconventional candidate who promised to restore the greatness of America. I guarantee if I become president, we're going to be saying Merry Christmas at every store. The war on Christmas never ended. It got elected president. Fact of follow-up segment tonight, we continue our reporting on Christmas in America. Somehow, it has become controversial. You know what? It's the holiday season. Why don't we think of this like a recipe? Let's make a Fox News fruitcake, shall we? First, and this is the most crucial ingredient, fear of a changing America. Back when you went to elementary school, we said the Lord's Prayer in school, and slowly but surely, things have changed. A dash of political correctness run amok? The phrase, Merry Christmas, which have been considered politically incorrect by the PC police over the last few years. And last, some threats to Christianity. The secular progressives want a new America, and traditional Christmas isn't a part of it. Mix it all together, put it in the oven just long enough, and you're left with delicious controversy. But like any Christmas fruitcake, this controversy eventually got stale. Sure, Fox would run stories here and there. Just this week, Santa was thrown out of a cancer center in South Carolina. Santa Why? was evicted? Santa. But you could tell, their heart just wasn't into it anymore. The war was over. I guess we did this war on Christmas thing for about 10 years. This is the first year I didn't get one call or letter saying this store has said you won't say it. So you saved Christmas, like Charlie Brown. That's right. Single-handedly saved Christmas. I have. Until Trump. 
the same elements that fueled Fox's war on Christmas. Trump wrapped it up, put a bow on it, and handed it to his base. We're going to protect Christianity. You know, Christianity is under siege, folks. It's under siege. His slogan, Make America Great Again, it promised to return to a mythic America of old. Dark forces were changing the world that we once knew, and only he could stop them. Trump took the Fox News blueprint and wrote it all the way to the White House. This is all part of the same war, and we've got to push back against it on every front. The country's under siege. We're under attack. We're under attack in virtually every way. Political correctness in our society, many argue, is totally out of control. From the war on Christmas to leaving the word God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't frankly have time for total political correctness. And to be honest with you, this country doesn't have time either. And more evidence that Judeo-Christian tradition is under attack in America. A Trump administration, our Christian heritage, will be cherished, protected, defended like you've never seen before. Bill O'Reilly, Fox News, they probably didn't change many minds with their war on Christmas campaign. They were preaching to the choir choir that feels like their Christian past was under siege by a secular society. That war on Christmas is the tip of the spear. It really translates into a war on religious freedom. But now we see that same tactic employed by the most powerful Fox viewer in the world. Just a quick note on this last clip before we get to it. You know, most people have some sort of holiday tradition, whether it be Christmas or any other holiday, whatever you celebrate and however you do it, people like traditions. Uh, for instance, my mother loves to watch, I mean, I suppose she loves it, but also sort of insists on watching one particular version of A Christmas Carol. I, I believe it's the Albert Finney version of A Christmas Carol every Christmas Eve before going to bed. That's just her thing. Like, if anything else happens, okay, that's the icing on the cake. But the one thing that absolutely has to happen is she gets to watch that version of A Christmas Carol. And for me, my maybe strongest holiday tradition is to listen to this uh, classic clip from The Colbert Report. Uh, it's been in many of my War on Christmas episodes in the past, so there's a good chance you've heard it if you've been listening for a while. Uh, but it, it's always good to revisit, and particularly relevant as this year's War on Christmas episode happens to fall on the very same day as the Republicans are planning to pass their massive tax cut for the rich as a step in their plan to massively cut services for everyone else. So with that, I present my favorite holiday tradition, a classic clip from 2010 from The Colbert Report. Just seems to me that the Democrats don't get Christmas. Another example, Congressman Jim McDermott, who used the baby Jesus to push his pro-poor people agenda. 
Jim, this is Christmas time. We talk about good Samaritans. We talk about the poor, the little baby Jesus in the cradle and all this stuff. And then we say to the unemployed, we won't give you a check to feed your family. That's simply wrong. Of course it's wrong. We shouldn't be talking to them at all. They've got unemployment cooties. And I am not the only one upset by McDermott's flagrant injection of charity into the Christmas season. So is Papa Bear Bill O'Reilly. In his weekly column, he wrote, Every fair-minded person should support government safety nets for people who need assistance through no fault of their own. But guys like McDermott don't make distinctions like that. For them, the baby Jesus wants us to provide, no matter what the circumstance. But being a Christian, I know that while Jesus promoted charity at the highest level, he was not self-destructive. Good point, Bill. Jesus said we only have to love those who deserve it. And what I like best about Bill's argument is its complete factual inaccuracy. Because... It would be inconvenient to guys like us to repeat what Jesus actually said. For instance, if someone wants your coat, give them your cloak as well. Rich people should sell all their possessions and give the money to the poor. Plus, the fact is, Jesus was way beyond self-destructive. He was self-sacrificial. I mean, the guy is God. He could have floated off that cross like Chris Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> and I love, I love how Bill closes with, the Lord helps those who help themselves, kind of implying that Jesus said that when it was actually Ben Franklin, who I believe belched out that proverb between mouthfuls of French whore. <laughs> but as much, as much as I'm a fan of Bill's willfully ignorant, borderline heretical self-justification, I got to tip my hat to Bernie Goldberg who came on the factor to call Jesus like he sees us. Jim? As a matter of fact, you know, Jesus probably would be, except for one or two issues, a liberal Democrat if he were around today. Yes. Jesus was a liberal Democrat. It's right there in his name. Jesus H. Christ. That H clearly stands for Hussein. <laughs> Plus... Jesus was always flapping his gums about the poor, but not once did he call for tax cuts for the wealthiest 2% of Romans, even though they create all the good slave jobs. And don't forget, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, and no good conservative would be caught dead with tax collectors. What frightens me, what frightens me really, what really frightens me about this is now we know we got a liberal Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. He's basically Yahweh's Joe Biden. Anything happens to the big guy, we can end up with a socialist deity redistributing my loaves and fishes. Well, it hurts me to say this, folks. But if Jesus really is a liberal, it's time to get the Christ out of Christmas. Now, listen, listen, listen. You know me. You know me. I'm no fan of the term Xmas or X anything. I make my kids play Christbox 360. <laughs> and if they break a bone, they get Christ rays. But it is time to take baby Jesus out of the manger. Replace him with something that's easier to swallow. How about a honey-baked ham? <laughs> because if this is going to be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, either we've got to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition and then admit
that we just don't want to do it. We've just heard clips today, starting with Intersection explaining Black Pete in the Netherlands. The Young Turks discussed how sensitive some of these Christians must be to get offended when people are being nice to them. The Majority Report marked the start of this year's war on Christmas that began when a Trump announced it back in October. Sarah Silverman on I Love You America explained her take on this ongoing war and some of the misunderstandings of Jews' thoughts on the holiday. The Young Turks told the story of another front that's been opened up on the war on Christmas, this time from the Christian's right flank. CNN gave us a history of the war on Christmas and broke down how Trump managed to ride that kind of grievance all the way to the White House. And finally, we just heard a classic from the Colbert Report explaining why Jesus would be a liberal Democrat today. As all Always, you can find links to each of these segments in the show notes for easy reference and sharing. No voicemails today, because uh, that would only serve to bring us down, and we'd end up talking about real issues, uh, which is what we are trying, uh, at least temporarily, to take a break from. Uh, so I'll be back with a brand new episode one more time before the end of the year. And in the meantime, everyone will be getting a couple of hopefully well-chosen reruns to enjoy. And of course, members will be getting two brand new bonus episodes that Amanda and I have ready to go. So look forward to those. It's never too late, of course, to sign up as a member. If you haven't already, simply find us at patreon.com slash left, where you can also find out all of the details about our winter fundraiser in addition to regular membership. So, you know, whether you're looking for a end-of-year tax-deductible donation, or you want to get a jump start on what should be one of your New Year's resolutions to support independent media, we have you covered. So my efforts to fight climate change through Climate Ride are funded through tax-deductible donations from people just like you, as is this show itself, minus the tax-deductible part. So if you want any of our limited apparel items that are only available to supporters of this two-in-one campaign, then I recommend you sign up today without delay. And of course, feel good about fighting climate change, supporting independent media, and so forth. So we'll get back to your comments and questions after the break. Keep the voicemails coming in at 202-999-3991. And finally, that is going to be it for today. Thanks, of course, to everyone for listening. Thanks to those especially who support the show now or who plan to soon in the future by becoming a member or making donations of any size at patreon.com slash best of the left. That is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and leaving us glowing reviews on iTunes and Facebook to help others find the show. You can also help us in our mission to aggregate and amplify the best progressive media by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter and sharing all of the great content and we're putting out there. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Tuesday and Friday, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thank you.